thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. I think I should have just let Johnny try and explain everything about me then and then we'd have gone down a... Absolutely, yeah. It is so good to be here today, it really is. Alan, I don't think you remember me, do you? We'll talk later. Good to see you anyway. Um, <laughs> I could leave an element of mystery there, couldn't I? And that would be a bit cruel, so let's just do that. Now, um, now I was just thinking... One of the last things my granddad said to me, and he worked in the yard here for many, many years, and I'll try and hold it together here, but one of the last things he said to me was, don't ever forget my beloved Barrow. And I come with that heart to you today, yeah. Brought up in Barrow, moved away when I went to university. Um, But Barrow is precious and it's beloved to me. And I think um, that's... The preciousness of Barrow is a well-kept secret, let's just say that. So I come with that heart to you this morning and also have my mum and sister here as well, which adds another element of, of emotion to this. But my heart today is that the Lord would speak to us and that when he speaks, he speaks eternally to our hearts He speaks in the now, but he speaks with eternity in his mind for us. And all I would be saying to you today is be open to what the Lord might say to you. Because there may be an instinctive moment when we turn to our passage today when you think, right, okay, I know this, I've heard this, but let's just be open to the Lord speaking to us anew. Right, okay, so I've been told 30 minutes, because that's what the pastor does every time, apparently. Um, but, but today is uh, a first message in the new series, um, aka God. So we're looking at the different names of God, and today we're looking at, fortunately I'm looking at the same thing as is on the board there. So we're looking at Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides, or the Lord my provider. And if we wanted a subtitle for that, it would be living between the news and the knowing. Living between the news and the knowing. And I'll explain that a little bit more in the moment, but let's more importantly turn to the scriptures. So it's Genesis 22. And verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. 
he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abram got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abram, Father, yes, my son, Abram replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abram answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abram built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your words. So it may be that some of us are thinking, or oh, I've heard this story before, and you may be thinking it's about provision, okay? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. And it is, you would be right. And it may be that amongst us, and I don't doubt this for a moment, we have many examples of when the Lord has provided for us. We could form a long queue and spend the rest of the day talking about that, about his provision in your lives. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the time when my friend Rob and I were driving from Ambleside to Windermere, and we had a single mattress and we didn't have any of the necessary ties or anything to secure it properly to the top of the car. So we kind of hackneyed something together and then drove in the tourist season from Ambleside to Windermere. And by the time we got to Windermere, and we're all, you know, chatting away and we had some worship music on and we looked at the car and there was no mattress. And literally somewhere along, the mattress had come off the car. We were oblivious, probably a pile of cars behind us weren't. And, um, and so we arrived at, the, and, and, and literally it happened like this. I came, out, I came out of the car, looked, I said, Rob, I can't believe it. And we were kind of filled with some sense of terror about what might have happened behind us. 
And as we came to this dawning realisation, a lady walked up to me called Mrs Badger. It's not a made-up name. She came up to me and she said, Oh, hi there, Ramin. I was just wondering, do you have any need for a single mattress? And I was thinking, is this a Truman show? Is, is there a camera on me here? Yes. Yeah, we would love one. Thank you. And, and that kind of provision is points to the heart of God, but it's not everything that he is. I had um, shoulder problems for a number of years and chiropractor and all this kind of stuff to the point that I was just having to carry my arm like this as I was going around. I attended a meeting, someone, someone came up to me, laid their hand on my shoulder, I felt heat go down my arm and my arm was healed. The Lord provides and he provides in many ways that we don't even see and that we don't even appreciate. I think he's probably provided for us multiple times today, and we have not even realized it. God, give us eyes to see. I think, you know, it's safe to say he provides our next breath, even. So we know about the God who provides, but this story isn't only about that. Abraham is about to face the biggest test of his life. I remember attending St. James's Junior School in Hindpool and Mr. York, the head teacher there. Um, as far as I'm aware, he was a Christian and he used to always talk about the Lord in the assemblies that we had. And I remember as I was preparing this, I remember that he used to talk about cricket a lot, which is a good subject at the moment. And he, he talked about how there's normal cricket, but then there's test match cricket. And it's up here because that is the true test of a cricketer's ability. And then he moved that into the fact that in life, the ultimate test of you and I is where we put our trust and our hope. That is our ultimate test. Is when things are difficult, when you're in the place of the news coming, and this is bad news for Abraham, where does he put his hope? Where does he put his trust? And, and you can kind of self-analyze this. You can learn something about yourself. We can learn something about ourselves in that moment that when that news comes, where do we go? What is our natural bias? What is the natural direction of our heart? And that will tell us a lot about ourselves. Now, that isn't meant to be condemnatory. It's important that we understand ourselves in light of this. And what is Abraham's response? Well, on first reading of the passage, it says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, so really establishing that we're talking about Isaac here, and go from the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. And then... So that, that is the news, yeah? That is what comes to him, and that is tough. That is tough for us for, as believers to hold and understand. And then it says, next verse, verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, and he took with him his two servants and his son Isaac. There's no record of what happened with Abraham between the call and the moving. But what we do see is an obedience. I don't think he was robotic in his response. I don't think he was without emotion. I imagine he probably didn't get much sleep. 
But there was the obedience element there that was crucial to that call that was made upon him. And he had a choice. He had a choice. Your son, your only son, whom you love, take him, sacrifice him. Now, Abraham is now firmly between the news and the knowing. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place between the news and the knowing? Something happens, and your only hope is that God turns up and you are sitting in that place in between. The news is what's happened. The knowing is the outcome, the resolution, the provision. You see, through this passage, although in our first instinct might be, this is hard to hear. This is hard to take hold of. God wants us to see his heart towards us through this. And he wants to connect to us on a heart level through his character. And through this, he gives us a picture of who he is. And he wants to take us to that place. Now, that journey can sometimes be bumpy. And that journey can sometimes be painful as we come to that place of of God releasing his promise in us. When I, when I was asked to bring the message today and thinking about Jehovah Jireh and the Lord that provides, and this is kind of the go-to passage, I was thinking surely there's other passages in Scripture that I could use that are a little bit more comfortable, bearing in mind my mum and sister are going to be here as well. Um, and every time I'd go away from it, every time the Lord would bring me back to it. And he does want us to stand in that place of tension because in that place of asking the difficult questions, he reveals something to us of his majesty and of his glory. My instinct was to duck away. But here I am. Because I kept thinking, I have, we have three children, Caroline and I. We have a daughter who's 24, expecting at Christmas. I know I don't look old enough. And I just thought I'd save you the time. And then, um, secondly, we've got a son, Alexander, who's 20 in October. And then we've got a daughter who's six years old. So that makes life interesting. But thinking about my kids and thinking about, if God asked me to do that, that's too hard for me to consider. That seems harsh. That is, that is awful. It seems in order to take hold of the promises of God, that seems like it's too high a price to pay. But in this story, Abraham, as far as the text reveals, does this unquestioningly. And he obeys God. Wow. But how? I do believe that the three-day journey to the mountain was the longest period in Abraham's life. You see, life in between the news and the knowing is the challenge. You may be exactly in that place today. This is where the test of faith is, brothers and sisters. 
This is where it really counts. I am the best person to be around when everything is going well. I'm the life of the party. I'm chatty. I'm open. I'm friendly. I'm generous. But when I'm in the test, am I those things? Life in between is where the challenge is, especially when circumstances don't, don't align with what we expect of God. And this, in this account, God's call or instruction to Abraham feels out of character. Feels out of character. So what does Abraham do? He takes one step after the other. And for him, this is an expression of faith. And it's an expression of faith based on the promises of God given to him over the preceding years. And each time we stand in that place and take hold of what God has promised us and trust him for the resolution, we are going deeper in our faith and we are gaining a greater glimpse of who he is. And, and this story, if it's, if it's the first time you've heard this story, whether you're here or at home, and, and you're thinking, I'm not sure I like the sound of this God. I'm not sure I, I want to follow a God who would ask someone to do this. I think that's a fair question. And I think God is big enough for us to ask that question. It's not a bad question to ask. In fact, the passage shouts that out to us, doesn't it? Because for me, it offends me when I read it. So what's the context that is propelling Abraham as he takes one step of faith after another based on this call? The context is this. In Genesis 1, to, um, Genesis 1 it tells a story of how, from Genesis chapter 1, 1 to 11, it tells a story of how God created all things and made humans in his image to rule on his behalf. However, the humans misuse their rule and the world spins out of control into violence and death. This all leads up to the rebellion and scattering of the people from Babylon. And God calls a man named Abram, later known as Abraham, to launch his plan to rescue and bless the whole world through Abraham's family. But there's a problem. Abraham is childless and his wife is barren. Although the problem lurks in the background of Abraham's story, God reaffirms this promise. And that is that one day, Abraham will have a son and his descendants will be a great nation. So he was given a promise. He was given a promise. And after decades of waiting, so the promise came and he still had to wait decades. Please hear that. Isaac was born. But the long wait for Isaac wasn't Abraham's truest test. I remember when I, um, when I finally passed my driving test. I won't tell you how many. It <laughs> when I finally passed my driving test, I would have been probably late teens, early 20s. I remember thinking this very, very stupid thought. This is the last test I'm going to have in my life. <laughs> I mean, what? That's it, no more tests for me, never again, and then boom, and life just presents tests, doesn't it? Unforeseen, foreseen, there are tests, and this is 
Abraham's greatest test. And the question is, why would God promise him a son and then take the son away? At best, it feels like a strange inconsistency. At worst, it feels like an evil trick. What is really going on here? And when we look at the context, we notice two things very briefly that lead us to a greater understanding of this passage. Firstly, this wasn't Abraham's first experience with God, clearly. God had already revealed himself, as we'd said to Abraham many times, through Abraham's successes and failures, his faith and fear in promises and in forgiveness. Abraham knew the character of God and knew him to be good and trustworthy. Secondly, Abraham didn't think Isaac would die. Or if he did, it says in Hebrews that he knew that God would raise him from the dead. When they reached the mountain, Abraham told his servants, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you in Genesis 22 verse 5. Notice this, and you just have to read it at just have to stay with the scripture a little bit longer or you'll miss it. The text is careful to include both Abraham and Isaac in the return journey. Okay? Let me read it again. Stay here with the donkey. Let's call the donkey Dobbin, as most of them are. And I, I and the boy will go over there. So he's talking to his servants. I and the boy will go over there and worship and then come again to you. So there was a faith element in Abraham as he was walking this out. As a slight sidebar on this, one of the, um, call it a hermeneutical error, methodology of interpretation around this story, often comes from our children's Bibles. Isaac is portrayed as a lad, when actually he would have been a young man, strong enough to carry the wood and would have done this willingly because his dad said so. And then Isaac asks a question, doesn't he, when they're there? Where's, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, and this is kind of right at the crux now, this is the culmination of the news the, the three longest days of his life, they've now got everything ready, and Isaac had to ask the question. It's like, I wish you'd have said nothing, Isaac. Um, although I feel that God's going to be here, there would have been a real kind of surge in emotion, and Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb. Abraham was prepared to do what God asked, but he expected something else to happen. And just as he's about to carry out the act, in verse 11 it says, an angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld me your son, your only Son, few. Abraham has now moved from the news, the weight, the test, the trial, to the knowing, 
to the provision. And in verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, what does all of that mean? Yeah. Well, the passage is like a lock and the key is Jesus who unlocks all of it for us. Think about the parallels between this story and what you know of the story of Jesus. Both Isaac and Jesus are beloved sons who have been long awaited and are born in miraculous circumstances. Parallel one. Parallel two. Both sons carry the wood that is to be the instrument of their deaths on their backs. Parallel number two. Jesus, the cross. Isaac, the wood for the fire. In both cases, the father leads the son and the son follows obediently towards his own death. And then fourthly, God provides the sacrifice. Do we see it? Do we see it? So what does that mean? Abraham and Isaac point beyond themselves to the Messiah. The story is a parable of the greater redemption God would someday accomplish and provide through one of their descendants, Jesus. So in closing, think back to the text. Think back to when Abraham gets the call Sacrifice your son. That's the headline, isn't it? Sacrifice your son. There's a lot of words around that, but ultimately, sacrifice your son is the call to Abraham. Don't shy away from how that makes you feel. Don't shy away, and I, I say this carefully, don't shy away from really thinking about how that makes you feel. It's important. But then think on this. That's what God did for you and I. That's what God did for you. He was faced with, he's God, the choice. Do I sacrifice my son for Eric and Jackie and Alan? Do I? Do I sacrifice my son? Is this too big a thing to do? And God says, no, I did it for you. I did it for you. Don't shy away from how that feels when you're confronted with this truth. It points us, it leads us to the greater knowledge of what God has done for each one of us in this place and hearing from home. I did it for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He gave up his son for you, that you might enter a relationship with God and receive the gift of salvation today. Today, in this place. Why not? Why not? 
So how do you receive that greatest gift of salvation? It's not complicated. Because Jehovah Jireh, the provider, the God who sees and provides, the God that will see to it, has already done what it takes. But he's not going to force anyone to come to that place of receiving the gift that is the greatest gift that is his son. If you've never opened your heart to Christ, choose you this day. If you have come here today with a broken heart, if you have come here today bearing a burden that feels too heavy, where you stand between the news and the knowing, then open your heart to Christ once again. And how do you do that? If you've never done this, simple steps are these. Firstly, we have to recognize that we have fallen short and that we have done things wrong. The Bible calls that sin. And that puts a a gap between myself and God. That means that I can have an intellectual knowledge of God. I may have been brought up with some understanding of him, but I'm not able to enter into that relationship that he desires with me. My sin stands in the way. So we acknowledge that. And then we simply ask for forgiveness. And we welcome the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords into our lives. And he will do it. He will do it. He will do it in this place. There's no time like now. So if you've never given your heart to God, then why not today? He says, I will be with you and I will never leave you and I will never forgive, never never abandon you. And he says, I will forgive your wickedness and I will remember your sins no more. God God puts it all into his forgettery. Yeah? And it's dealt with. And all, all he asks is that we make that move towards him. So there'll be a mixture of people that are within the sound of my voice and I'm nearly done, okay? Um, there'll be people that, are, that have given their lives to Jesus, who have, who have trusted him and have now have been hit with the news. There's something that has come against you. And it's may have been, it may have been a long time ago and you've still not seen the deliverance from that or the outcome of that, but it's hardening your heart and it's causing you to take a step back from God. There's a place and there's a grace in this place today for you to step back into that place that Abraham did and say, okay, the news is tough, but I'm trusting you with the outcome. And I'm going to stand, stand, having done all, I'm now going to stand and ask that you restore to me the years that the locusts have eaten. And I'm going to step back onto that path that you've prepared for me. I'm not going to be on the sidelines. I'm not going to watch anymore. I'm going to come back in and allow you to do your work in me. Because you're committed to me more than I can ever even understand. So there'll be some people in the place like this. But I know, I know that his provision is on the way for you if you dare stand. Okay, so there'll be some people in the place like that. 
There'll be some people in the place today who feel like they've been robbed and stolen from by the enemy of their soul. And that God's provision just hasn't come. Then I want to do some work against the enemy of your soul in this place today. If you would stand with me in that. And we want to clear those lines. And there'll be some people in this place today who've never trusted Jesus with their lives. And maybe you've been coming along here for a number of years or months. But you've never taken that step. I remember I was at a Luis Palau um, festival and when he made the call um, the local catholic priest came along and gave his heart to the lord and he'd been the priest there for 30 years and it was at that moment that he realized that he'd never fully given his heart to jesus it's perfectly possible to come to church and not be a believer in jesus So I believe the Spirit of God is willing to do some work amongst us today. And he will never force us. He's a gentleman. And he'll never push us into doing anything. But what I'd like to do, and I think my sister's going to be horrified in a moment, I'm going to sing a song, okay? I have no voice, okay? But I'm trusting that the Lord, because he put this onto my heart last night, and you may have heard this song before. It's just a very short one, mercifully. Um, and it's from Maranatha. And I believe it will minister to our hearts. You may know it. You may know it. And then we'll close. Deep breath, Ramen. What was lost in battle, what was taken unlawfully, where Satan has planted his seed, where your health is failing and your strength is ailing, I will restore to you all of this and more. I will restore to you all of this and more. I will restore. I will restore. I will restore to you all of this and more. I will restore. I will restore. I will restore to you all of this and more. One last time. What was lost in battle, what was taken unlawfully, where Satan has planted his seed, where your strength is failing and your health is ailing, I will restore to you all of this and more. There is the grace in this place today 
where the Lord wants to provide, restore, return you to that place of knowing him. And if you say yes to that, all that I ask you to do is stand. Is to stand. And that is something that heaven will see. That is something that heaven will observe. And it's you making the stand. You are moving from where you are to stand and you take one step forward. And I believe God will take that and he'll do something marvelous and he'll restore and he'll move you to that place where his promises can be fulfilled in your life. So let's stand. Yeah, now let's do it. And I'll pray and then I'll hand over to the guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've been with us in this place this morning. We thank you, Lord, that your heart is that your children would come back to you, that your children would know restoration in their lives, that, that we would stand and step forward into what you have for us, Lord. We're sorry if we've been on the sidelines. We're sorry if we've been um, chasing after other things, Lord. But right now in this place, we lay them aside in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we take hold of only you in this place. So I pray, Lord, now that your Holy Spirit would minister to each person in this place at their point of need, at their point of want. I pray, Lord, that they would know the goodness of God in the land of the living. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides the God that will see to it on our behalf. And we embrace you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.